It is a brand new episode of the Highmark Coaches Show on your Penguins radio network right now. Joined as always by Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. I'm Josh Getzoff. And coach, as always, we appreciate you taking some time with us. It's my pleasure to be here, Josh. Great to have you uh, on this show each and every other week here on the Penguins radio network. But uh, for your team right now, a bit of uncharted territory, at least since you and I have been doing this show, that we're sitting here now on February 22nd. And as we speak, the Penguins are under the cut line in the, the Stanley Cup playoff picture. And I say that knowing there's still 25 games remaining in this season. There's still a lot of runway, so to speak, left between you and the finish line. But how do you feel right now? How does your team kind of feel? If you could peel it back a little bit for me uh, on the show and just kind of give us a gauge of the the, the mood uh, with this group right now. Well, I think I think you know our mood today was was really good. Were we yeah. discouraged after some of our tough losses as of late? For sure. These guys are human beings. They get a lot of pride. They want to win. Mm-hmm. And when you when you don't live up to expectations, uh, our own expectations and our own standard of play. Uh, Everybody feels that, and it stings, and and we all, uh, we all take ownership for it. So, you know, we we've uh, we've been on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. You know, it's uh, it's it's my job to try to to try to help get them in the right uh, headspace so that we can we can set our team up for success, and it's important that we have a certain resilience with our with our uh, with our mental approach and our attitude and. And making sure that we're not feeling sorry for ourselves. Uh, nobody else is going to feel sorry for us, right. and and we just have to make sure that that we find solutions. And I believe we have the solutions inside the room. So, uh, I thought we were in a good frame of mind today. We had a real quality practice, and uh, we've got to be a forward-thinking group. We got to learn through experiences, but we have to get excited about the challenge in front of us. And and I believe if we do that, we're going to find the win the win column here and put ourselves in a in a position to make the playoffs. Take me into that practice today because I know you guys go through a ton of practices off and off day throughout the course of the season. Last night, the, the very successful night of assists at PPG Paints Arena. Guys had the day off, at least from on-ice work yesterday. You get back today, you know who you have looming tomorrow and what's in front of you. What was the, the approach to this practice here uh, on this Wednesday? Well, a lot of times we design our practices around uh, the film sessions we have with our team in the morning. So if if we see certain things in uh, in the game before and, and breaking the film down and then then we usually address those areas where we think that there's the opportunity to uh, to improve and get better that, that that's the learning moment so if we see it in the film we try to go out and practice it right away and so that that it just ingrains the message and, and hopefully we become a better team uh, for the next challenge and and so you know one of the things we talked about was just kind of our structure when we're uh, w- when we have the puck, so that in the event that mistakes are made or turnovers are made, uh, that that we have contingency plans built in place where there's support mechanisms, so that that we can limit the quality of of chances against per se uh, off of mistakes. And it's a game of mistakes. Every team makes them. We just got to make sure that that we we're able to support those uh, with the proper contingency plans. And and we showed our guys a couple of areas where uh, where it cost us in the in the game against the Islanders the other night. Uh, I thought it was for the most part a pretty solid hockey game by our team. We we carried the majority of the play and and ended up on the wrong side of the score. And and that was what was disheartening about it. But but I do believe that uh, the team for the most part in the last handful of games has done, has had a lot of real solid play. We just we found ways to lose instead of finding ways to win and and that was really uh what we discussed in practice today look to reverse that obviously tomorrow night with the edmonton oilers in town a couple of positives at least it appeared from watching practice today that jan ruda and mark friedman were both uh, full participants we know ruda's 
been getting closer from that uh, recovery of the injury that's had him on the long-term injury reserve for quite a bit here. And Friedman obviously has been out the last handful of games. You already addressed after practice why Marcus Pedersen and Jeff Petrie weren't there. But one name I forgot to ask you about in practice was Ryan Paling. Is there any uh, kind of status update for him? Because I don't think he was on the ice today. Either. He was not. Pales is, uh, is continuing to go through his rehab off okay. the ice. Uh, we're encouraged with his progress. We, we're hopeful that uh, that he'll be back on the ice with us here over the next day or two, and uh, and then we'll take it from there. But but he's continuing his rehab off the ice. All right, so the Penguins close, very close to being fully healthy. We haven't seen it in a while, and we're uh, crossing our fingers that it's not too far away for Pittsburgh. Edmonton Oilers in town on Thursday night and much more coming your way here on the Highmark Coaches Show on the Penguins Radio Network. We're back here on the Highmark Coaches Show, and Coach, uh, obviously, when you look at your team this year, a lot of offensive production has come from your top six. Some of those guys having monster years. We don't need to run down the list, but we also don't need to run down the list of guys in your bottom six that haven't necessarily been producing uh, from a offensive perspective that I think everyone hoped for, um, you know, over the better part of this season. When you're dealing with not one or two, but a, a few guys there in, you know, the, the bottom six area that are in droughts, trying to find their way, maybe just desperately need to see the puck go in for things to change for them. How do you coach that situation when it's not just one guy? It is a couple guys, and they're pretty critical to your team kind of going down the stretch here. Well, that's one of the that's one of the biggest challenges of coaching is is trying to help guys through struggles. Yeah. And uh, these guys are proud guys. They're they're completely invested in their their own uh, respective games and helping the Penguins win. And when it doesn't go the right way for them, nobody feels it more than than the individuals themselves. And so it's our jobs as coaches to try to try to help them get out of their own way, so to speak. Sometimes, sometimes the biggest the, the biggest uh, obstacle to to capturing their best game and scoring goals is themselves. And 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 a lot of it is is because their intentions are honorable. They they care. Right. And so when it doesn't go the right way. Uh, they they're they're proud guys and and uh, and it, and it affects them and so these guys are human beings and confidence is an important aspect of being successful in sports, uh, as everybody knows. So part of our job as coaches is to try to help them get out of their own way, so to speak. You know, we're trying to encourage them in certain ways. We're trying to bring them, you know, insights into their game and how they can have more success. And and a lot of it, quite honestly, just revolves around s- simplifying everything they do, taking some of the thinking out of it. You know. Uh, skating more, shooting the puck more, going to the net, uh, you know, looking for one of those greasy goals, so to speak, where where you're in and around the blue paint, you bang in a rebound, or maybe it goes off your skating in the net, or you get a deflection goal, and and sometimes that's all it takes to get a guy to, to get on the right track. But but helping them just to, with their own psyche and their own uh, their own battle with themselves, and, and and just trying to help them build their confidence and and just staying in the moment. Uh, I think is an important aspect of it, and it's also the most challenging. How much does that help or maybe hurt in the sense that a lot of those guys are veterans too, and you know they've had their moments where they've been flying high, and now, at least from the production perspective, and now they're kind of looking at that uh, drought going game by game by game and dealing with the mental aspect of that on top of the performance aspect. Well, it's hard because I think these guys, uh, you know, a lot of these guys have had uh, real successful careers and they're used to scoring goals. And so when the puck doesn't go in the net for them, um, you know, like I said before, they they feel it more than anyone. And so uh, the other thing I think that I should point out that I don't don't think gets talked about enough is um, even though these guys haven't, haven't helped us on the offensive side, 
they're they're contributing in a lot of other ways, and and we put our bottom six in a lot of defensive postures, a lot of defensive situations, uh, defensive zone starts, for example, where they have. You know, they start in our own end with a face-off, and a lot of times it's against our opponent's best players, and if they lose the draw, they, they have to defend, and they've got to keep it out of the net. And and for the most part, their their defensive numbers are, are very respectable. Uh, they've got the job done in a lot of instances and in those circumstances, and that shouldn't be overlooked. You know, obviously we have higher expectations, and we're hopeful that they can help us on the offensive side as well, and, and we're trying to help them get there. But, uh, but from a defensive standpoint, these guys – uh, they're they're competing really hard for us out there. We talk about your lineup a lot, and I know that's always a, a buzz topic in in the Pittsburgh uh, sports media world, Coach. But um, as far as your group is concerned, one name who's been out of it the last handful of games has been Dan Hine, and obviously a guy like a, a few guys on your roster that started the season really strong from a production standpoint, kind of went quiet and you know dropped in the lineup as a result. Now obviously spends uh, some nights not too far from Phil Bork and I up in the press box watching the game. For a guy like that, who I know that you have a lot of respect for, and obviously brings a lot of intangibles to this team when he's on, you know, flying on all cylinders. What does he have to do to to kind of earn his way back into the lineup uh, for the Penguins? Well, I think he he has to just control what he can, and and that's come to the rink every day, work hard in practice, have a good attitude, keep himself ready, and and when the time comes that that we tap him on the shoulder to go in the lineup, he's got to he's got to put himself in a position where he sets himself up for success. And you know, Danton is a great kid. He's a real good teammate. Uh, you know, he's certainly not pleased that he's not in the lineup. He's a proud guy and he wants to play. And uh, but he's also a, a real good pro. He he comes to the rink every day. He works hard. Uh, his attitude has been terrific. Uh, he's been respectable through the process, uh, uh, but but it's not easy. It, it, that that's one of the hardest things uh, as a coach is to tell a player that he's not in the lineup. But it's also one of the hardest things as a player when when you're out of the lineup and you and you want to get into the lineup and and contribute. So we're going to make those decisions on a game by game basis for a number of different reasons. Ultimately, as I t- tell the players all the time, the coaching staff is going to make the decisions that they think give the team the best chance to win and uh, we don't always expect them to agree with uh, agree with the decision uh, but our hope is that they, they respect the decision and uh, and that's how we approach it with them well let me reverse gears uh, as we approach game number 57 and I'm knocking on wood as I say this through the first 56 games you've had Evgeny Malkin in the lineup which obviously wasn't the case last year and on the last road trip he made a little bit of history 51st player uh, in NHL history to 1200 career points I find it funny this year, Coach, because I feel like we've done this show a handful of times where there's been a milestone to talk about, whether it's been Sid or Gino or Chris Letang or Jeff Carter. There's been these kind of moments uh, that maybe are reflective of guys just having a long time in the NHL and reaching a lot of these milestones. But for Gino, only 51 players in the history of the league have hit that number. Obviously, Sidney Crosby's one of them, too. Uh, I know you've had such an appreciation for him and, and everything that he brings to the table now being his coach for the last eight seasons. But to see him hit the number in a year where he's hit 1,000 games and obviously the moment that came with that, um, what did that kind of moment mean to you kind of looking back on it to see him uh, you know, have another big milestone here? It's remarkable. You know, I, I've had the privilege of, of uh, watching Gino for, you know, this is my eighth season, I guess, uh, and seeing him up close and personal, and, and I still marvel at some of the things he does out there on the ice. He's, he's just an amazing talent. He's an incredibly competitive guy. Uh, he has such a drive to want to win and be, a, be the best at his game. Uh, to watch him achieve some of the, the milestones that 
uh, that he's achieved, and not just him, but Sid as well, and Karts and and Tanger. The, these guys have had uh, just amazing careers. Uh, they they've built such great legacies in the game. Uh, you know, they're an elite company uh, without a doubt. Not just their own generation, but in the history of the game itself. Right. Uh, these guys are some of the best players of all time that that we have the privilege of of watching every night. Uh, and and so to to see them accomplish some of these things, uh, we find it to to be a, a great thrill as coaches uh, to watch them achieve these types of milestones. Um, it it's just remarkable. I, I I don't know I don't know have have another word to to uh, describe it. I, I just think it speaks volumes to you know their passion for their game, their toughness, and you know and just with the longevity of how long they've played in the sport. Uh, but not only how long they've played, but been able to sustain a certain level of elite play right. that allows them to achieve some of these milestones. Uh, it's just remarkable, and we're thrilled for them. Cracked the 20-goal mark as well for the 14th time in his NHL career as he and the Penguins set the face off against the Edmonton Oilers here on Thursday night. Much more to talk about when we come back on the Highmark Coaches Show on the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. This is the Highmark Coaches Show on the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. And, coaches, I uh, check right now. We are, I believe, 10 days away from the NHL trade deadline, maybe in single digits. My math's always been a little funky. But in any event, it's coming quick uh, as far as the NHL is concerned and that big day of swaps around the league uh, goes on. Now, obviously, there have already been a few throughout the NHL and some big names at that trading places. But I'm curious from the Penguins' approach, and you've been through this a, f- uh, a handful of times, obviously, um, are there meetings leading into something like this? I know the season's so busy and it doesn't really allow for time to just kind of sit down and put heads together, but is it something more on the fly with you and Ron Hextall and the management group? But um, how do things kind of flow going into this trade deadline from your perspective? So there's a, there's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, there, we're, we're in constant communication with Hexy and his group, and, uh, you know, we as coaches are going to focus on the group that we have, and we're going we're gonna to coach the team that we have to try to, to set this, the group up for success, and, and that's where the focus is. Uh, but but we've had some meetings uh, where, um, you know, we've tried to identify needs, and, uh, and, and Hexy's brought uh, some of the ideas or thoughts to the table from from their hockey ops standpoint, uh, some of the some of the meetings have been formal. Some of them are just informal through uh, through daily communication. Sure. Uh, you know, just being uh, being at the rink together or phone conversations or whatever it may be. So it's a little bit of both. We we have communication. There's there's transparency there, and so that we're all on the same page and understand where we're at. Uh, but as a coaching staff, very much like we're sending the message to the players. You know we're going to control what we can, and that and that's the group that we have, and 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 we like this group, and and we're excited about uh, about riding this ship, so to speak, and trying to trying to put our best foot forward. Uh, we've got games in hand on a, on a number of the teams in front of us, and and so we still have control over our own destiny. Uh, now we just got to go out there, we got to earn it every night, and that's what we're trying to do. One guy who did join your group last year at the trade deadline was Ricard Raquel. And really, when you look at the two moves on the deadline that Ron Hextall's made the last two years, Jeff Carter obviously was huge for you guys a couple years back. And Raquel has continued to be huge uh, this year, already at 40 points. He's got 21 goals for your team. When you knew you were getting him to now having him and, and being a focal point of not just the present but the future on this six-year deal that he signed this offseason, has he 
matched, exceeded what you kind of hoped for? I mean, I, I don't know how familiar you were with not seeing him on a nightly basis, obviously, playing out west, but uh, how has he kind of lived up to what you thought Raquel, Ricard Raquel was when he was acquired last year? Well, Rax has been everything we thought we were going to get and then some. You know, he's a great kid, first and foremost. He's a, he's a real good person. He's a great teammate. Uh, I think he loves being a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, he loves the opportunity to compete with these guys and try to win. Uh, and, he, and he's brought a lot to our team. He's a really talented guy. Uh, I didn't have a ton of familiarity with him when, when we acquired him. I knew he was a good player. I knew he had a legacy uh, or, or a body of work that suggests that he, that he can create offense and score goals in this league. Yeah. And that was something that, that we were hopefully he'd be able to do and complement some of the core players that we have. And, and that's exactly what he's done, whether we play him with Sid and Jake or we played him with Gino and Zuck. Uh, I think uh, he's been a guy that has helped us in so many different ways. He's, he's having a real solid year for himself. That was our hope when we got him, and he certainly has lived up to it. Talk about the the solid years that some of your players are having, and you know, obviously, getting my game prepped together for this matchup tomorrow night. You look at what Connor McDavid's doing, and the numbers are like video game numbers right now. Already over 100 points, he's got 44 goals. But then I look at your captain, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, McDavid's on another planet. I think everything everyone knows that when they look at 97 and the Oilers sweater. But 87 is still having himself a pretty strong year. He's approaching 70 points, which is no slouch considering, like I said earlier, there's 25 games left in the season. Uh, and he's been your guy's most consistent player from start to finish. Obviously, as I knock on wood again, available for all games so far also. Um, have you been able to kind of put into perspective the year that he's having? I know that that's hard for you to do when you're coaching the team and focused on the game to game, but it just seems like every night he's got another moment in him. Yeah, he does. I, You know, I think when you – as long as we've been together, you grow accustomed to it because he just brings it every night. He's a, he's just such a consistent player. He's consistently great, and and that's what he does for the Penguins. He's he has a mature game. You know what I like about Sid's game is not only is he offensively a, a, an elite player, but he plays on both sides of the puck. And and there's no secret why he's won uh, championships, Stanley Cups, and gold medals, and whatever teams he's played on. Uh, they they seem to. They, whatever he touches turns to gold. And, you know, it, I don't think it's by accident. I think he just has a complete game. He understands the importance of playing on the defensive side of the puck is every bit as important as playing on the offensive side of the puck. And, and, and not, not all offensively gifted players are like that. Right. And, and I, think, I think Sid's unique in that regard. I think he, he values the importance of play away from the puck. And, and you can't win championships uh, by scoring your way there. You, you have to be able to keep it out of your net. He's one of our better defensive players as much as he is uh, our best offensive player. And so uh, I think it's that mature game that makes Sid what he is and, and just the, the unique game that he brings to the table. I think, you know, if, 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 I'm, if, if I, I, I have a son or, or a daughter that's, that's playing youth hockey and, and we're watching NHL games and, and I'm going to say to my son or my daughter, if you could emulate anybody's game, I would watch Sidney Crosby because he just he plays the game the right way, the way it's supposed to be played. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how else to say it, but you know, I, I just think he's consistently great. That is, that's probably the best way to say it. He's having a magnificent season here for the Penguins. Uh, you mentioned defending. Tristan Jari, uh, obviously the last line of defense, gets back in the lineup Monday night against the Islanders. I think we all were breathing a sigh of relief to see him get back in. And obviously the third period, probably a goal against Bo Horvat that he maybe wants back. But otherwise, a pretty strong return to the net uh, for the goaltender for the Penguins. I'm curious for your thoughts on that and then also just having him back. 
um, and getting that, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, but that breath of fresh air of him being back in there and knowing what you have there, what does that do for the psyche of the Penguins? I think it's just, it's it's so big for our own team morale. You know, he's a really good goaltender. Uh, he has elite play in him. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think there's another level to his game. You know, he, he hasn't played a lot of hockey here over the last two months, so I think he'll get better with each game that he plays. And uh, we're excited to get him back in the net. You know, he's a he's a bona fide uh, number one goalie in this league, and, and he's he's another guy that's brought a lot of consistency that position this year when he's been in the lineup. We just haven't been able to get him in the lineup enough, and and so you know we're hopeful that uh, you know that. Uh, that those days are behind us, and that we that we can get him in the net consistently, and and he'll get better with every game that he plays by nature of just getting his timing back and uh, and being in that in, in a game real environment, which he hasn't seen a lot of over the last couple of months. Former Edmonton Oil King with the Oilers uh, in town tomorrow night, and that got me thinking, Coach. Uh, you know, there are certain players, and I, I will say to our listeners just to give them a little bit of a spoiler alert that Phil Bork's going to be between the benches, so look out for him tomorrow night uh, for your guys' game against Edmonton. And I know part of the reason he wants to be down there is because of who's going to be on the ice and how great of an opportunity that is. I don't blame him. It's a little harder for me to call the game that low down. I kind of have to be higher up. So I'll, I'll let him uh, have his moment down there between the benches. But for you, I mean, you played the game in this league for a long time. You've coached in a long time. Are there, was there a certain player when you played where you were a little extra juice to face off against and you're thinking to yourself, like I'm sure some of these players tomorrow are, oh, yeah, we get to see McDavid and Dreisel. Oh, yeah, we get to see Malkin and Crosby. I mean, it's from the broadcasting perspective, it's awesome. But from the player perspective, did you have any of those moments where you were looking across the other way and thinking, oh, this is pretty cool? Oh, for sure I did. I, You know, I had the privilege, I guess, uh, or the uh, – or the the almost impossible task of of having to play against Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and and w- the first time I played against those guys was a, was a huge moment, you know, for me personally. I looked up to their to them and and just how good they were in in their generation and you know they're two of the greatest players of all time and and so uh, I was no different than than any of these these young players today when when they have the opportunity to line up against a, a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid so uh, those were the guys that uh, that that I always looked up to and uh, you know, there was a, there was always a, a level of nervous anxiety because you're afraid you were going to get embarrassed by those guys <laughs> because they were so good at, at, at their craft. But but it was always a great thrill to play against them. Yeah, it should be a fun one tomorrow night. We're looking forward to it, and we'll wind this thing down when we come back here on the Highmark Coaches Show. You're listening to the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. We welcome you back inside the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network. And Coach, uh, maybe only fitting since we discuss here today, you yourself a proud USA Hockey alum, 43 years ago. In Lake Placid, New York, a 4-3 victory for the United States over the Soviet Union on February 22, 1980 in what has uh, obviously become known as the Miracle on Ice. I'm curious, that's definitely one of those moments where you know where you were. I wasn't alive, so that's easy for me to answer. But for you, where were you and what do you remember about that day? Well, it was an amazing moment. I was 12 years old. I was, uh, I was playing uh, in a hockey tournament. Um, with with one of the one of the youth teams that I played on growing up, and I remember I remember all the all the uh, all the dads uh, during during the games or whatever watch watching the TVs and you know throughout that whole Olympic experience you know yeah and uh, and so on, on on that particular day when when those guys uh, you know beat the Soviets just an unbelievable moment for for hockey in the United States and uh, and and you know we were all young kids and 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 I think. 
one, one, I, I can't even put it into words. I think what that what that event did for hockey in the U.S. and just uh, you know it, it was one of those catalysts I think for uh, for young kids to pick up the sport and play and uh, and and so you know it, to to have the ability to look back on it now uh, it's it's crazy that it was that fa- that long ago you know? know it seems like it was yesterday for me you know and and it's. Uh, and, and it's you know for you to say that I, I forgot all about that quite honestly and right. and so uh, but just an unbelievable moment for for the United States and uh, and, and that that event and as a as a young 12 year old hockey player uh, for someone like me it was an incredible moment and I know obviously as a, a proud BU alum I'm sure I'm sure you and Mike Ruzioni have had your moments but is there any more significance to that game that's kind of you know impacted your path and your career just being a young hockey player then and seeing a team do that well, for sure. You know, I, I think, you know, it was one of those teams when, when that experience went through and, you know, or excuse me, when that experience happened uh, as a 12-year-old, you know, you're playing street hockey or you're playing pond hockey and you're always, uh, you're always trying to imagine uh, whether you're, uh, you're playing in the NHL for the Bruins or who you're going to be or right. uh, it went from, th- from that moment where, hey, I was going to be Jean Rattel for the Bruins to, <laughs> to be and I was going to be Mike Ruzioni on the, on the U.S. team uh, against the Soviets, you know, and, and, and some of our uh, youth hockey skirmishes either on the pond or, or, or on the street when we, when we were playing. And, and that's the type of impact that it had on us. And, uh, you know, when you fast forward a number of years, I ended up going to BU where Mike Ruzioni and Jack O'Callaghan and, right. and Jim Craig and David Silk all played. And those four guys were on that team. And, and I've had the privilege of, of getting to know some of those guys over the years just in the BU hockey family. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and have had conversations uh, with those guys on, on what it meant to them. And um, no one, I think, articulates it's better than Mike Ruzioni. And uh, he's a capturing guy and just, just a terrific person. And uh, and Mike and I have had a number of conversations about it over the years at golf tournaments or whatever it may be. And you, you almost live vicariously through those guys when, you know, when, when, they're, when they're describing the experience and some of the things they went through throughout the course of that year. Yeah, he was here a few years back for a fireside chat that I hosted with him pregame, and I was a little bummed that we had to end it for the game. No offense to you and your team, but he was going and going and going, and I, I, I wanted to hear more. It was just about the Miracle on Ice and the whole lead-up to that team and stories I'm sure he's told a thousand times, but he, you're right, he tells it so well. So, yeah, he's, he's, he, has, uh, he has the gift of gab, so to speak, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so he, he just has a great way of, of kind of sharing those stories and those experiences, you know, where people can live through it with him. And, and it's, uh, that's a gift that Mike has, and, yeah. and, and he's really good at it. And I always love talking hockey with him, and inevitably it always circles back to that. Um, you know, he scored a huge goal and, uh, and has, certainly, uh, has certainly done a, just a magnificent job of reliving that experience for so many people over the years. Biggest goal in U.S. history scored by that man is uh, we move on from that. We mentioned 43 years ago since the Miracle on Ice. Well, we're just one day away now from the Penguins and the Edmonton Oilers. I know not quite Lake Placid, not quite the Olympics, but certainly some legendary star power on the ice tomorrow night, Coach. Uh, For you guys, just coming into this game having dropped three in a row, what's the mindset and the message to your team as you get ready for an Oilers team that themselves snapped a losing streak last night against Philadelphia? 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I think it's important that we have a good start. You know, we got to bring a lot of energy. We, we've got to continue to uh, to just stay in the moment. We can't get overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, we haven't got the result as of late. I believe our team has played better than the results that we've gotten as of late. Uh, we just got to make sure that we manage the game at critical moments uh, so we don't give our opponents an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to score goals at the wrong times. You know, we, we've got to find ways to win as opposed to finding ways to lose. And that, that's been the, the discussion we've had with the group. Group, but it certainly, for me, it starts with an attitude, and it starts with a certain level of, of belief and confidence in our in ourselves as individuals and, and uh, on the group as, as a whole. Well, we're looking forward to it. Tomorrow night should be a very entertaining game between the Pens and the Edmonton Oilers. 6 o'clock on the pregame show, 7 o'clock puck drop from PPG Paints Arena for the second and final regular season meeting between those two teams. Coach, always appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck. And the next time you and I talk, there'll be no trade deadline talk because it'll be all over. And I wish you guys uh, the best of luck in the upcoming matchups, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Josh. All right, that's Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. For our executive producer, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, I'm Josh Getzoff, and you've just listened to the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network.